Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Secret Artists Podcast. I'm your host, Annie McGrath, and this week I'm joined by the brilliant Bethany Black. I loved getting to know Bethany. Um, We had a very interesting conversation whilst painting her cat, Spruce, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, Spruce has one of those uh, slightly dead-eyed resting bitch faces, which I relate to, so really enjoyed painting her. Um, And we talked about all sorts of things, from Bethany's role in Doctor Who, which was very exciting to hear about, and uh, Bethany talked a lot um, about her sort of personal life. I got an insight into the various emotional and financial issues she had before she was cast, very excitingly, as the first trans actress to play a leading role in Russell T Davies' multi-channel shows Cucumber, Banana and Tofu. So that it was great to hear about. And um, what else did we talk about? Her sort of comic book Marvel obsession and um, art in general. So I hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, then give us a nice little review. Why not? And if you want to see mine and Beth's um, artworks from today's episode, then make sure you're following Secret Artists on Instagram and Twitter at Secret Art Pod. Bye for now. Bethany Black is a fantastic actor, writer and comedian whose debut show, Beth Becomes Her, received rave reviews and was nominated for Best Debut at the Leicester Comedy Festival in 2008. Since, Bethany has appeared in numerous TV series, including Tofu, Banana, Cucumber and Doctor Who, to name a few. Beth has also written for TV shows such as Frankie Boyle's New World Order, and I'm very excited about having her on the podcast. Hello, Bethany. Hi, Annie. How are you doing? You all yeah, right? Yeah, good, thanks. Do you prefer <laughs> Bethany or Beth? Uh, Bethany when we're working, but Beth if we're friends. So, Beth, it's fine. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, so Bethany. So, Bethany, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. That's what my mum does. My mum is always like, uh, yeah, my name's uh, Viv, uh, Viv to my friends, Vivian to everyone else. You can call me Vivian. It's, like, a, it's a good gag. Time. Yeah, it is. And, like, it's a solid gag. Uh, yeah, it's one of the things that I love best about her is that she has no idea that that's a really solid gag either. She just <laughs> says that with all sincerity. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Um, so we don't really know each other very well, but I'm I'm excited to chat yeah. to you and to find out a bit more about you. Do you sort of, obviously this is a sort of art podcast, do you consider yeah. yourself to be an artist? I do, yeah. Um, I do. I can't draw, but I do still consider myself to be an artist and I don't think that that's held anyone back ever. Um, I My ex was a uh, was a fine artist she's a conceptual artist she's uh, okay she's gone and built uh, well yeah and she's just done she's working in sculpture sculpture at the moment she's just had her first sort of 
big show in London. Amazing. Um, and so, yeah, and we were together for a very long time. And mm. um, and so through seeing her progress and seeing her, um, seeing how she works, it very much sort of got me into a, a state of going, yeah, what I am, what I am doing is art. I'm not just yeah. titting about on a stage. Uh, <laughs> I'm creating yeah. something, you know, and I, my background's from cultural studies as well. So mm-hmm. I've done a lot of sort of learning into how culture develops and how, and essentially what art is and how art functions within society. And, yeah. And how so how, how would you define art? Art is anything which goes and allows us to try and express to somebody else our interpretation of the world around us. Um, it's the reason why I don't think that things like reviews are of any use to anybody. <laughs> yeah, one person's opinion that well, can yeah, not make even or just, break your career. Yeah, not even just that. Like, I, I, cause I set a, a, It was a really freeing thing for me to go to the Edinburgh Fringe in 2016 because previously to that I'd had some really bad reviews that had really knocked me for years, like mm. a couple of them. One of, them yeah. who, one of them who described me, I think it was, um, uh, Bethany Black is as unintentionally disturbing as she is unfunny. Um, wow. Stuff like that. Stuff that was like genuinely just there to try and hurt me. Yeah, that is savage. Yeah, and I realised sort of when I went in, and I didn't go for a very long time. That was like 2009 and I didn't go until 2016. But by the time mm. I went back in 2016, I'd done some TV. I'd been in a couple of things uh, that had been really successful. And mm-hmm. I went to go and do the Ed- Edinburgh Fringe show and I arrived at a completely different mindset to it because yeah. by that point, I'd realised that all criticism is just somebody's reaction to the art and their yeah. reaction to it is not necessarily the action I encode it with. Yeah. What they get from it is not necessarily the same thing. And a bad review isn't that it's a bad piece of art, it's mm-hmm. that the person who came to experience it didn't understand it. As yeah. it was set, yeah. um, which which then goes and reverses the power structure on that. So you can yeah. look and just go. So why would you come and review something? And uh, it's quite brave of you if you don't like it to very publicly state that you don't understand it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And also in Edinburgh, it's such a lottery as to yeah. when they come. Like if they come on one night, it can be a totally different stand up. It can be, change so much depending yeah. on so many factors absolutely and so many of the and so many of the reviewers up there it's like it's the one place for you to get reviewed easily in the whole year and Mm. so many of the reviewers there are people who are not necessarily experienced in reviewing or anything to do with that and just want to make their name out of out of saying the most nasty things because because that's the sort of thing you think is cool when you when you're in university and you want to go on to become a journalist and you've just watched the devil wears prada and also people don't you know, people don't read three-star reviews that are sort of quite nice about a show, but no. p- pick out a couple of things. It's no, like people want to see someone be either slated or like, this is the yeah. next best thing. So. Absolutely. And it was like the, the final nail in that sort of coffin for me fe- personally was I got a, a review from some, I won't even say, I won't say who it was and I won't say what they were, which, <laughs> Tell me which website we they were writing for. But they basically came to, I did a show, my last Fringe show was essentially, it was supposed to be about ADHD and me attempting to tell a single joke over the course of an hour and keeping on getting distracted and taking mm-hmm. it to various different places. But the actual story of the show is about freedom of speech and uh, all of the things that people say, well, you can't joke about that anymore. And yeah. I peppered jokes about each of those topics throughout the entire thing and made mm-hmm. it look like I just kept getting distracted and attempted to tell this one 30-second, one-minute-long joke 
Yeah. And then the second half of it, I start to pull all of the threads back together and then it finishes and wraps up with me doing a callback to pretty much every single joke that I'd done over the hour. That sounds and great. It, and it finishes with this whole thing of how it's not that you can't say these jokes anymore, it's just the jokes that are boring, people no longer laugh at and people are going to question you on. So mm-hmm. you can joke about these topics, you just need to make it interesting. Yeah. And I got a review which just said... It's just an hour of jokes that could have really been done in any order. Uh, why on earth would oh, you go and waste God. your opportunity to come to the Edinburgh Fringe and do this? And like that was annoying enough to receive as a review when it's like, it really wasn't. And yeah. trying to do Because I, I tried to do some of the jokes from the second half in the first half and they absolutely didn't work. Um, yeah, it's like get, as if you haven't thought about the structure and done previews and workshop yeah, new material uh, and... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's just an hour of jokes. And whilst they were really, really fun and funny and everyone was laughing, like it really felt like it could have done with a narrative or a structure to it. Um, <laughs> and then two weeks after the end of the Fringe, they went and wrote in a national newspaper a big article about how uh, comedy is dying at the Fringe because everybody sticks to a formula and nobody does a joke. Nobody does a show that's just jokes for an hour. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, You're like, that's literally what you criticised mm-hmm. me for doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was like... <sighs> Because you clearly pitched this to the guardian, to to uh, the, yeah, the guardian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So. Yeah, there we go. I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to incriminate myself. Here we go. Here's me incriminating myself. Uh, but yeah, and that was like the final nail in me going. Yeah, no one, none of them know anything about anything. Yeah. And and so yeah, so I I like strongly believe like comedy is art. Whether or not it's good art is a different different thing sometimes Mm -hmm. it is sometimes it isn't but all it is is us trying to get across our interpretation of the world and and with uh with comedy it really has a very specific purpose that a lot of other forms of art don't really have Mm. there is a very specific reaction that you're looking for in people yeah um as I think that's to... why people find it easier to criticise because if a joke doesn't go well, it's like you have literally failed at the one thing you're supposed to do. Whereas yeah. with a painting, it's like there's no specific reaction. Or there might be a specific reaction the artist yeah. wants, but the audience or the viewer doesn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, But I think very much like some painting and, well, like a lot of painting and a lot of, not, not even just painting, but like a lot of physical, of what we would call the, like the, the classical arts, um, painting and sculpture and even conceptual art. Hmm. It has the same, it has the same reaction from people that comedy does, which yeah. is if they don't like it, it's not, well, that wasn't for me. Yeah. It's, um, that's that terrible. That could have shit. Done that. I could have done that. Yeah. Because everyone thinks they can tell a joke. Everyone's been funny once. Yeah. You know, everyone's everyone's managed to thread that needle at least one occasion by accident. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? And they don't think, oh, yeah, I could do that. Oh, yeah, it's dead. Yeah, oh, God, yeah, I, yeah, I told a really good joke yeah. at the pub the other day. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, slightly yeah, different, yeah. actually, when you're yeah. on stage. It is a completely of strangers. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's been short. Yes. My muse is uh, my cat who they won't be able to see because this is a podcast, but you can kind of see has just melted on the bed behind me because it is the hottest day of the year and uh, I'm doing this podcast. Uh, I'm poo-bearing it. I'm only dressed from the waist up. I love it because <laughs> it is far too hot. Um, but yeah, we're doing, we were going to do a picture of, of my cat who, uh, Spruce. Spruce. Not her, it's a great not her name. real name. Uh, she's she has this vibe about her that she wouldn't be happy if I went and like told people her real name online. So I just 
Oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. You're protecting her identity. Yeah, like the other cats, my other two cats, Albert and Fred, they like have absolutely, they, they don't come across like that, but she seems like she really values her privacy. She's got uh, a real, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, resting bitch face. Oh, she absolutely does. Yeah, in yeah. That yeah. photo like, that you sent. She's like, like no other cat I have ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Um, she furious was, about being papped. Yeah, absolutely. She's like, the, the, the picture that we're going to do, it looks like, somebody's just told her the worst dad joke yeah it really does like she's got i'm hungry and they've got hi hungry i'm dad and she's just like dad what what yeah. the fuck is wrong with you she's that edinburgh fringe reviewer yeah she is not she, at all impressed she is not the person you want to see sitting at the front row of your gig no absolutely yeah exactly but she is absolutely <laughs> the only person in the room i'd focus on Even yeah if yeah, everyone one... else was enjoying it i'd yeah. be looking at spruce yeah absolutely absolutely she was my um she was uh, the, the ex I mentioned. She was her mum's cat, and uh, her mum mm-hmm. married someone who was allergic to cats, so she came to live with us, and then she came to live with me. And Aww. she's my best friend, and she doesn't leave my side. And she's been one of the best things about the last eighteen months is that yeah, she's she's no longer worried about me going away, and no longer hugely sort of because uh, you'll never be allowed objective. to go. Yeah, away yeah I'm not ever allowed again. to go away ever again now. Yeah. So it's it's uh, she's very happy with that situation. Great. And what are you going to, are you drawing? Are you painting? Are you? I'm going to draw her. Nice. Because I have, um, I have really poor fine motor skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm not saying mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I totally I, agree. Yeah, it's no. just you told me yeah, that. No, I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I am medically what they describe as fucked. And <laughs> <laughs> I have so much stuff that's weird or odd about me that deviates from, uh, I'm autistic, I've got ADHD, I have uh, I have really poor fine motor skill, I'm dyspraxic, I have uh, uh, aphantasia, so mm. I have no visual imagination whatsoever. Uh, yeah, I, I don't it. know much about it. I did Google it because I didn't know anything about it. And it says the inability to voluntarily create a mental picture in your head. Yeah, I that... for, for the longest time, I thought that, um, yeah, for the longest time, I genuinely thought that when people talked about something being in their mind's eye, that that was a figure of speech. Mm. I had no idea that other people could actually visualise things mm. that they were imagining. Um, so does that affect your creativity at all? Or how do you... Yeah, it does. It's... Um, yeah, it, it does. It's like, it was weird because these days I'm mostly writing television. Mm. And um, as you can probably imagine, but I can't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> being able to, because you have to write everything down visually. Um, and it does in some ways, because there are certain things that I, me and my partner, we write together a yeah. lot for these things. And a lot of it she comes up with in terms of how things would have to be visually. And then because I've always had to try and explain things in words yeah. that are actually pictures, uh, yeah. I'm really, really good at that. That's like the overcompensating skill that I have yeah, yeah. in order to do that. Um, so, yeah, so that tends to be how that that's a way that it goes and affects it. Mm. I think also because so much of my stand-up was... Um, confessional type stuff it was reporting on things that had happened in daily mm-hmm. life because because well that's 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 all I really have yeah <laughs> it's uh I was in this situation how could I have made it worse oh this is how I could have made it worse let's <laughs> talk about that but yeah. trying to visually imagine something I, yeah so I find it really difficult uh, to do that um I I also feel like with, with the acting it mm. Because that's another thing where you wouldn't have necessarily thought that it would 
what, why you would have thought it would affect it, I, I don't think, unless you sort of, until suddenly someone goes, what about acting? And you go, oh, God, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like because of that, it allows me to create an immediacy when I'm yeah. on, on the stage. But yeah, um, so yeah, so sorry, that was me attempting to explain why I'm shit at drawing. No, it's really um, interesting. Um, I'm going to start painting, by the way, while cool. we chat. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So if so, would it fill you with sort of dread if we were to draw something, yeah, from our imagination rather than from a photo? Oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd get so much anxiety. And to be honest, I hate that as well. I'm not. I'm not likening yeah. my hatred. No, no, no. But I, no, 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 totally. No, I, but... Yeah, yeah, no, no, I get that. And it's, well, the thing is, it's like, it's not even really a condition. It's something that I didn't even realise that I had until I mm. read an article by somebody else who, um, who had said, this is a thing that I discovered recently that I have, and it has changed my life. And, uh, and I went, oh, and I read it and went, oh, shit. <laughs> Oh shit! I've got. That. Oh shit! That's how my mind works. Oh right. Oh god. Right. That must okay. have been so useful though to read about someone else having the thing that. Yeah, it was, and one of the weird things is every single time I talk about it now, hmm. I ruin someone else's life. Um, there will be like half a dozen people whose lives will be ruined by finding out that this exists when they're uh, when they're. Hang on, I've started that. And I've done it too small. I can't imagine that's the sort of thing that you can. Not fix is the wrong word, but the, is there any way of? No, there's nothing. And but the thing is, it's getting just, rid it's, of it. It's no. just a different way of our minds working because all of our yeah. minds work differently anyway. Yeah, it, it's why this whole idea of like objective truth is is in in terms of a lot of things is ridiculous. But also, I think mm. in terms of how like we we as people think of well, this is something that happens in the world, and my version of events is exactly how it should happen in this world. Yeah. Um, and and that it doesn't is uh, is it means that whoever it is who does think this way is wrong. It's not me that's wrong. It's the yeah. rest of the world. It'd be so boring uh, if everyone thought and saw everything in the same way. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's like it's a reason why we have different art because mm. it's literally the basis of art is that all of our brains work differently. Yeah, and we all see things differently. Uh, yeah. So, are there tests they can do to like diagnose you with it or is it just no it's literally it's literally if you have it you will know and if you don't then you will probably not know until someone explains it to you and you'll go oh god i thought i was the only one you go yeah yeah that's that's literally all it is yeah um yeah because uh yeah it's it's an odd one it's an Mm. odd one that um have you ever never heard it spoken about before it's really interesting well, what's quite int- one of the things that I found quite interesting was that um, I know a couple of comedians whose brains work this way. Richard Herring's one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know also that it autistic people off, uh, are more likely to um, to have aphantasia because it's that slightly more literal way of seeing things. Well, I don't know. I don't even know if it's like that because, but, but it, it, and it varies from person to person. Cause like yeah. I have really, really good visual memory. Like I, if I have seen someone's face anywhere at any point, I mm-hmm. will be able, if I meet them again, it will take me maybe 30 seconds to go and pull it up, but I will be able to remember exactly who they are, exactly where we first met, exactly what they were wearing. That's so um, cool. That, like, is that a photographic memory well i mean kind of it's a version of it um i suspect Mm. um 
It was interesting because I, I remember telling Joe Lysett about it because I gave Joe Lysett one of his first gigs. Oh, really? I think, I think possibly his first gig, in fact. Amazing. He got in touch with me. I was running a gig in a lesbian bar in Manchester and yeah. uh, and he was just starting out and wanting to get going and, and had seen that I had this gig and got in touch and said, could I possibly have a gig, please? Oh. And I said, yes, you can, as long as you don't do anything homophobic for my audience. And he went, oh, no, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> and I went, oh, good, good, good. I just have to check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can come and do an open spot. God, it's such a shame um, that you have to check that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he he showed up and was, like, absolutely fantastic. He was, like, 100% of the way there. I did, I did like, his first gig. Really? I was like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one of those brilliant. ones where I was like... But I think I'd been going not quite long enough at that point to recognise that it was a... Because um, I don't know if you if you ever do this... In, in in stand up when when you see somebody and you go there are occasionally once every couple of years or so somebody mm. will show up mm-hmm. you'll just see them and you go i'm i'm probably going to work with you maybe twice more and <laughs> then and then you're going to be hugely famous yeah. and and you don't know it yet <laughs> yeah i've made spruce look a bit like a furby <laughs> she does look a little bit like a furby <laughs> she does have that very much about her. I, I am currently just trying to do the outline of her as nice. like as best as I can. I, that's that's where I've started. I've gone, do you know what? I'll do the outline. I've basically because... gone for the face. I think I really want to get this like dead-eyed expression. Yeah. Which I really relate to. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She really, really does. Um, oh. So tell me about being in Doctor Who. That's surely... Uh... <laughs> something to tick off the bucket list yeah it is it's, it's so weird right because sometimes i just go uh sometimes when I, i'm having a bit of a low mood i mm. say to my partner like oh god i feel like such a failure and i've never achieved anything and she <laughs> just sort of fixes me with the look that spruce has in this picture yeah. <laughs> and goes you've you've played glastonbury you've been in doctor who <laughs> yeah <laughs> you uh you've you've written for frankie Boyle. you've done this you've done that you've yeah. been on you know it doesn't uh, matter though there's always yeah. like you, i think you... everyone has that at every stage of your career <laughs> yeah absolutely. like then you have to think of yourself five years ago and think if i'd known that i'd achieved this i'd be really happy but it's yeah. always like there's something better or and you yeah can't totally totally you know and it's like yeah and it's like yeah, and the big one of like you were the first trans actor in a lead role on British television. Yeah, that is <laughs> never <incredible>. forget that. <laughs> I read that on your you know, um, yeah, yeah you were on your agent's website. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, you were uh, you were the you were, <laughs> your first acting job was to star in a Russell T Davies drama. You yeah. had achieved literally everything that you could have hoped for. <laughs> was, did that feel like quite now? a lot of pressure? You said you're the first. Um, trans actress to play a leading role was kind that kind of well yes and no it was like uh, bizarrely because I'd been a stand up for like 12 years at that point mm. I kind of felt like I deserved it yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. like oh I deserve this success uh, mm. I deserve to be successful this is uh, this is exactly what I deserve to be but also at the same time yeah it did feel like a lot of pressure it did and it was terrifying especially when it was especially like as we got close to it being broadcast yeah. Like, because not only is it like a lot of pressure of, of, of representation, yeah. but there's also the fact that you know what's coming. You know that you're going to get abuse for it. You know that whatever you do. And uh, was that the case? Oh, God, yeah. That's so depressing. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, at one point, one of my favourite things that happened was when the uh, Westboro Baptist Church decided that uh, they they should speak out against me. And when that happens, you know you've made it. Fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> when, when the God hates fags people are going, you are a danger to Western society and to this and that. And going, yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I am. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much for this. I mean, don't they have anything better to be doing? Uh, absolutely not. They've dedicated their entire lives to being wrong. Uh, so they... I'm sorry. They, they have to get up. They have shame, to get up very early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's a full time job being up for the hate. It is. It is, and you know, it's. Uh, they think that they're on the side of angels. That's always the thing. They always think that what they're doing is right. Yeah. And it's the same thing. I mean, you know, imagine the, the... just not having any self doubt. Must be so yeah, nice. Be great. Yeah, it'd be wonderful. It'd be wonderful to to be able to to feel like that. But Doctor Who was was fantastic. But the Doctor Who thing that came about. Um, in much the same way as uh, in in a weird way, it's um, it came about from cucumber and, and banana because that I mm. wanted to act when I was younger, and yeah. had then um, decided that um, I'd, I'd I'd done performing arts at A level, mm. and then I met performing arts students and went, I don't think I want to act anymore. <laughs> And, um, what, because they were so annoying? Yeah, yeah, they were very cliquey yeah. and none of them liked me. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, I'd, I'd wanted my entire life to act and, uh, and they were, it was just, it robbed it of all of the fun of mm. doing it. Um, and I went, oh, I'd much rather like write and direct. And so I went off to mm. try and do that instead. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of like wanting to go off and do that, I, yeah. Uh, Ended up going off to university in London and then realised I'd, I'd had a nervous breakdown and I came out as trans and mm-hmm. trying to just sort of live uh, as just trying to live in that really yeah. was enough for me to go. Right. OK, I've got, I ended up having to move back home, move back to my parents house yeah. um, to just try and. Uh, Lancashire. So, yeah, Lancashire. just yeah. yeah, yeah. Just up in the countryside, just outside. I realised living in rural Lancashire I probably wasn't going to be able to make it in film and one of my friends had said that someone was looking for someone to to host a comedy night mm. or rather not host a comedy night but host a, a band a, a, a cabaret type thing which they yeah. wanted but they wanted to have like rock bands and stuff and comedians and circus performers and stuff and they never ended up being able to get any of the other things other than the rock bands it turned out <laughs> so I <laughs> So I just sort of started my career by hosting those. Oh, cool! That was that was how my stand-up career started. Just getting up on stage in front of getting up on stage in front of people and uh, in front of rock fans. Yeah, and uh, essentially just trying to get their um, trying to get their attention. Yeah. Whilst they uh, yeah, while whilst bands were playing, which is an almost impossible task as a comedian. But yeah. From there, also I... probably very good practice for sort of tougher like emceeing gigs. Oh, one hundred percent. A lot. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's what it is, and doing that was, yeah, it was. It was the making of me as a, as a, as a comic. I'd like I I I did I died lots and learnt lots. Mm. Yeah, and it was great. It was it was great fun. Yeah. To be totally honest with you, all of those things. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And then how did you get back into acting then? Was well, that- this was the thing. I'd I'd had like the worst couple of years of my life. I'd I'd got dumped just before I was supposed to be getting married. And oh, um which is the the right side of getting married to be dumped, to be totally honest. It's, yeah, but it's, it's better, not it's better to have it. Situation. <laughs> yeah, it's better to have it like a month or two before the wedding rather than a month or two afterwards. Like, ah, oh, right, so okay. During the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, that had happened. And then in the year following that, I'd got, I'd moved it, I'd nearly, I'd nearly died in an accident uh, where I'd, um, Managed. We had. I lived in a shared house with comedians, and they had one of those little mugs of. Well, it should have been a mug, and it of toothbrushes, which shouldn't have been there because it was clearly the toothbrushes of everyone who'd ever lived in that shared house. Um, and it was in a glass. It was on one of those little IKEA glasses with the beveled bottom and the yeah. around stuff. And um, I managed to knock it off the shelf into the bath whilst I was in there, and it cut and cut uh cut myself and got out and looked down and saw the whole bathroom floor was covered in blood and passed oh out and was nearly God. bleeding out that was like one of the things that happened and then i had something like eight of my friends died in in a, it, within a year two of my friends died on the same day in, in unrelated circumstances and oh, i'm so sorry that's yeah it was just like one thing after another after yeah. another um uh, the cat one of my cats had, had it was a kitten died and um i developed glandular fever I caught glandular fever at a gig and then uh, because I had to go back to work because self-employed couldn't mm. take the time off it developed into um it developed into chronic fatigue syndrome um mm-hmm. so I basically just had a virus that didn't go away which a lot of people are now experiencing with yeah with everything that's going on um and yeah and so it was like really really struggling through through stuff like that um and then I started another relationship, got dumped in the middle of all of this horror that was going on, uh, then broke my coccyx, recovered from that, Ooh. and then fell and really badly broke my leg. Uh, couldn't walk for 18 months, couldn't work for 18 months. Um, I met my partner at the time. We both got evicted from the house that we were in, moved into a new one. Um, mm. We'd been in that house for eight weeks when the landlord sold it from under us and we had to move. So with a broken leg when I couldn't walk and at chronic fatigue syndrome i had to move house twice in a single year um and then after 18 months of trying to battle to try and get enough money to to try and get some support from the government uh, they said that because i was self-employed and because i was trying to make sure that i had a job for me when i went back when i was able to work again Mm. apparently that counted as working and so i wasn't entitled to the support that i'd tried to claim for and i had to try and find a different income and so I was just at this point where I'd gone and run up like 
£18,000 in credit card debt just trying to keep myself alive for two years without any other financial support. My partner, who's Swedish, was like, I can't really afford to stay here very much longer with Mm. everything that's going on, the way that things have happened. Mm -hmm. You know, she's disabled. We've both got our issues that are going on. Uh, She's like, I can't really afford to stay here very much longer with the way that things are going. I may have to go and leave. And I was just like, sat in my bedroom one afternoon, just in like terrible state of despair. Yeah. Um, I'd phoned Citizens Advice to go, how do I claim bankruptcy? And they yeah. said, well, you know, you need to fill out these forms and it'll cost £520 to get it filed. And I was like, I beg your pardon? To get it filed? Oh yeah, God. yeah, to file for bankruptcy. And I was like, right, I don't have that money. If I did, I probably wouldn't yeah. need to be claiming bankruptcy right now. Um, if I had access to that immediately, I could go and get the bit, the bulk of the people that I owe off, off my back very, very quickly. Mm. Um to which they said, can you borrow it? And I was like, absolutely not. That's yeah, how I got in this I trouble in the first place. It. Yeah, it would be yeah. For again, and plus, well. how am I supposed to borrow that off anybody? Like, I need I need £520. What do you need it for? Uh, <laughs> for technically, uh, a piece of paper that says I don't owe you any money. That's pretty much what I'm looking for. That's pretty much what I want from it. Um, and so I just sort of sat there dejected going, I honestly don't know what else I can do right now this is Mm. like this is this going to be the end of me is this is this is this how my story ends is it Mm. because I can't find I can't think of anywhere else I could possibly go from here with it and um um at which point I went to go onto my Facebook and you know just talk on that and and talk to people and see what any of them had to say and, and to just sort of go oh absolutely raging can't talk about it and wait for people to go you okay hun don't worry they're all snakes on this website you know um (laughs) (laughs) only then for uh, to see that i had like three messages in my messenger box and the first was from um doug siegel the comedian and Mm. and and mentalist (laughs) who said uh literally that's his job title he is a mentalist he's uh, very much like Darren Brown yeah but yeah and it's like Doug uh, Doug had said you should go for this and had a a clip of a um, a screen capped a a tweet from a casting director called Andy Pryor which just said we're looking for a a trans actor for new Russell T Davies show uh, about uh, 20 to 30 Mancunian uh, I just got goosebumps yeah, 20 to 30 Mancunian, larger than life, good sense of humour. And they just went, you should do this. Mm. Um, and I went, because ah. I get, you know, you get sent things quite a lot. And I'm like, oh, do you know what? No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to apply for this. No, no, no. It'll be rubbish. I'm yeah, because the idea that. of the rejection on top of the absolute oh, God, yeah. shit storm you've already been through, I can imagine. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and then. Not appealing. And then I had a look at the second one and it was from the comedian Matt Kirshen. And it was the exact same screenshot. And I went right okay Mm. and then the third one was from someone who isn't related to comedy at all who'd seen it and said have you seen this you should go for this and all three of them were about that and i went right okay you can't not yeah you can't (sighs) that okay i'll go for it Mm. and so i emailed them and said what do i need to send you i emailed Mm. the thing and they went well normally we'd ask for like photographs and sort of a bit of a cv but we know who you are and i went oh all right okay uh they're like so you don't really need to do that and i'm like oh fantastic oh great 
and so they sent me the script over and I spent the next day working on the two scenes that they had just spent 20 uh, just spent the full 12 hours with uh, Toby Haydock who's the resident MC at XS Malarkey one of the fantastic comedy club yeah. um, and his partner uh, Cherry Lee Houston who plays Izzy in Coronation Street yeah. we just went over it and over it and over it and over it and over it just as many times as we could and I went into the audition on the Thursday just going this doesn't really matter because it's not going to work out. I'm not going to get the job anyway. So it's mm. like not even worrying about it. That's there's no point in worrying about it at all. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's just get on with this. Mm-hmm. And um, on the Saturday afternoon, <laughs> like absolutely wasn't expecting anything. It was a Thursday. I wasn't expecting anything on the Saturday afternoon at all. Yeah. I got a phone call from Andy on his home number saying... We'd like you to come back for a call back on Tuesday. It was a bank holiday weekend. I remember that much. We'd like you to come back in on Tuesday for a call back so you can see, so you can work with the director and the producer. Yeah. Um, This is my home phone number. If you need anything, contact me here over the weekend. And I was like, holy shit. Because I knew that this was the guy who casts Doctor Who. And I'd I'd immediately gone to his like IMDB and looked back through everything that he'd cast. Yeah. And gone, holy shit, he cast Trainspine. Holy shit, he cast Cracker. Holy shit, he cast like ev- literally everything on there is like top level yeah. stuff. And I was like, oh my God, right. So, you know, him giving me his home phone number at that point and going, if you need anything, just call me. I was like, holy shit, right. Okay, this is, gonna call you this every is day quite serious. This is, uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, right. Maybe I might get this then. Maybe I might. And I went in for the uh, second audition and uh, it was great. Did really, really, just went through the whole thing. Did really, really well. Got a phone call like the next day. Mm. Um, yeah, we'd like to cast you in the role. And um, if you could come in for an audition, uh, if you could come in for a um, for a read through of the script on wow. Friday, that would be great. And I was like, yes, please. Uh, this is how much you'll get paid. Blah, 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 blah. And I, like I very, there went and learnt all of the really sort of difficult way that they go and way that fees work for acting on television because mm. it's not like you go you're going to get paid this much per episode um it's like this is your standard day rate for every single day that you're in and this is how much we pay you to hire you for the whole week and we will yeah. pay you that much whether you work one day or whether you work five days um and we will then go and pay you this is a 35 percent bump on top of that initial payment which is mm. how much we pay to be able to go and broadcast this and these are the things that you will get if it's broadcast in future and etc etc if it's bought by X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So you get all of like your residual stuff and I'm just like, I have no idea how much it is and I was n- noting it all down and I was like trying to add so it all So you didn't have an calculator. agent at that point who could Did... sort of deal with that side of things? Nope. No agent whatsoever. It's very um, confusing. It is. And I was like, I was there with a calculator with like trying to show my girlfriend and came away from it going, I think I've just earned £8,000. <laughs> um, Fuck you, uh, admin fee. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I hadn't. I'd earned... A lot more than that. Mm. Uh, I just had no idea how to do the maths. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, when we went in for the when I went in for the read through, they sent the cab to pick me up and they dropped me off at the studio. And Andy was stood outside. I think he was having a cigarette or something. And um, said, "Come on up. Don't worry about the read through." I know a lot of people get anxious at a read through, but don't worry mm. about it. And I was like, until that point, I had no idea that that was even a thing that you would get anxious yeah, about. Yeah, like, like, now I am anxious. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, because I'm like, I'm a comedian and it's a room full of actors and our job is to read things out in front of people. So why would we be anxious yeah, yeah. about doing... Oh, God, right, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
He said, is there anything you want to ask? And I said, no, I've seen enough Doctor Who Confidential to know, you know, what a, a read-through for one of Russell's shows is like. And yeah. he went, oh, are you a Doctor Who fan? I said, yeah. He said, I cast that. And oh I went, oh, God. do you? Like, <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and he said, is that something you'd like to be in? I went, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And he went, huh, I'll keep an eye out for, for something for oh you then. Oh, my God. Incredible. And that was how I got cast in Doctor And I was like, my first day as an actor, I'm like, well, this is... This is going quite well. Well, I ended up having to lie to people because I knew that I was going to be away and I knew that my friends would know that I wasn't going to be around and I was filming something and that anything else that I was filming, I was kind of allowed to let them know what it was. Yeah. So it was clearly something huge. Yeah. So I had to tell different people who would promise not to tell other people. Yeah. I told different stories. So some of my friends thought I was going away to... Because I was going to be out of the country as well. I mean, Wales, but it's technically still out of the country. Yeah. Um, and so some people thought that I was going off to do um, Game of Thrones. Some people thought I was going off to be, like, in a Marvel film. And, <laughs> you know, it was sort of like that was the level of stuff that you, I, I kind of had to say. Yeah. And then on the day that they announced that I was in it, my phone just blew up. Like, the yeah. second... I, I jumped in the car to drive back to Manchester from Cardiff. And my phone started beeping like two minutes after I got into the car. And I went, wow. right, they've announced that I'm in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or did they and not I, tell you they were announcing it? No, because it was supposed to be the previous week and it hadn't done. And oh, then it kind of did at that point. I was like, right, okay, it's been announced. And then, yeah, I had something like 300 text messages arrive for me all in one, all, all over the course of one single car journey. Amazing. And then I got home and... Yeah, and it was like there were so many news stories about me that I'd been cast in this. Like, it was the number one story on um, Variety, the Hollywood wow. industry paper. And, like, an hour after I'd, uh, an hour after it was announced, Lady Gaga had done something huge that on any, literally any other day of her entire life would have been like the number one story. But my story was still above that for the day. And I was like, <laughs> incredible. This like, is I'm bigger weird. than Lady Gaga. Yeah, um, and yeah, and so it's just like so much stuff sort of happened off the back. Like just the the media sort of frenzy around that was really really short, mm. but really really pronounced. And it's like, um, you know, it wasn't enough for it to sort of like be. This is going to change your entire life. This is going to be who you are from now on, and everyone's mm. going to know your name. Um, but for a couple of days, it kind of felt like it could go that way, and it was. Yeah absolutely terrifying oh um, really yeah, yeah. I was like I I don't think I enjoy this I'm yeah. a little bit I'm a little bit too mature to be enjoying this sort of thing these days um <laughs> and um yeah so it was like that was it, it was interesting it was an interesting mm. experience to have at that point and I was like right maybe maybe it will be maybe this will be the thing which goes and takes me off into um into a new stratosphere yeah. career-wise it's very cool so how many auditions did you have to do? Obviously you had that conversation with the casting director. Yeah, I before. went down and I did I did one audition with them. I don't think I even got a call back for that one. They just went, yep, yeah, yeah, we'd like you to be in that. And I think that was like three weeks later. Because um, oh, right. I, me I messaged Andy a couple about a week or so afterwards. I went, did I not get that? And he went, <laughs> he said, ah, they take forever on these things. It was just really quick on Banana because we'd run out of time. And oh. we were like 24 hours away from rewriting the 
the yeah. character to be a cis character um, mm-hmm. who was, you know, victim of revenge porn. And if we hadn't have found you, that's what we would have done. Um, okay. He said, but with this, it's, you know, he said, but I am really pushing for you to get it. And then I got I got the role and I had to go down mm-hmm. and do like the full, had the thing where they did a cast out of my face out of dental putty and wow. to make the full face tattoo that I had for it. Because that was one of the cool things about it was that I had like this full face tattoo in the episode. Yeah. And I was wearing a and I was wearing a helmet because I was a space marine. I was a cloned mm-hmm. space warrior. Um and so between the full face tattoo and the helmet, no one's ever recognized me from Doctor Who. No one's ever come up to me in the street and gone, Were you in Doctor Who? Like and That's kind of the best of both worlds then. Yeah, it is. I like and like in the week after I'd been on Doctor Who going into the going in to get comics from the comic book shop that I go to. Yeah. And the girl behind the counter had a Doctor Who t-shirt on and had TARDIS earrings and was talking <laughs> to someone there about how fantastic the episode was, how much they really, really enjoyed it. And as I went to pay, I went, oh, thank you very much because I was in that episode. And she looked at me like I was lying. That's so um, funny. <laughs> like, even in the week afterwards, like standing next to the Doctor Who uh, merchandise section in any of those comic book shops and waiting for literally anybody Anyone, yeah. to do that yeah yeah and they never like, do yeah of course you're in it whatever yeah, yeah of course yeah yeah all right yeah it's one of those one of those absolute lies that people do oh, yeah there we go, go. there's there's a picture oh and the one next to it is the photograph that they go and use for um the, the one next to it that that photograph of me where it looks like i'm crying where it looks like i've been crying all night it's because i have that was the night that we went and shot the uh the episode that was the night that we shot the scene where i was in the car crying with my dad for 12 hours oh. and that was the night that the that they decided to get the photographer on set <laughs> to come and take photographs of me so i'm there like in character having cried all of my makeup off and then supposed to be smiling and be happy um a complete change of mood from what i'd had to be for the last 12 hours yeah and yet that is the picture that almost all independent comedy promoters choose when they go and have a look at, when they put my name up, it isn't even on the first page. They just go, oh, that one looks nice. Yeah, because she's smiling and she's wearing a bit of makeup um, and she's got long hair. I'm like, you sexist pricks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, That's an amazing achievement. How very, yeah. very cool. No, one of the best things that happened on one of the dates, because this is like the big story of it. I mean, there's loads of stuff, loads of little things that happened. It was a great, fun experience. I mean, it was difficult because Mm. I was the only one with a facial prosthetic. So I was in before everybody else and left after everybody else. So what would have been a 12 hour day turned into a 16 hour day for me. Um, But also because of the facial prosthetic, I wasn't allowed to go and sit in the BBC canteen because it counted as a spoiler and extras from (laughs) Casualty were regularly taking photographs of Doctor Who actors and trying to sell them to the tabloids. What? Yeah, yeah. So I had to go and sit in my... uh, So I had to go and sit in my trailer on my own over lunchtime. So it was quite isolating as well on top of everything else. Um, It was great, like, in the last week because, uh, like, I got to hang out with all of the Time Lords who were in the next episode that they were starting to film. Yeah. Um... And, you know, so that was great fun. But I, um, but yeah, like one of the best things that happened, it was like the Friday of the second week. It was a really difficult episode to shoot because it's all point of view shots. Mm. So you have to remember exactly where you were stood, not mm. just two or three times, but four, you have to do it like four times because there's yeah. four different points of view that we were doing. But also you had to go and position yourself in a way to make sure that where you were looking was the best framing for the shot that they were going to have to take later. Right. And you had to remember every single movement that you'd made for in every single take. 
And wow. so it had to be, it was, it's so much more intricate than trying to do the, the standard sort of, you do an establishing shot, so you do a wide shot and then you go and do one that's close up on one person. So you don't even have to get your words right on that one. Yeah. You can just do whatever. And then they do a close up on you. And that's the one where you've really got to nail your lines yeah. and get all of the emotions right. Um, as opposed to this one where every, it was like, doing every single shot as a close-up so everyone was exhausted it took twice as long to film as it would have done Mm -hmm. if it was any other episode and we're there it's a friday afternoon uh, thursday afternoon and i'm getting a friday afternoon i'm getting exhausted ready to ready to quit and really difficult trying to film this scene and somebody walked through my eyeline and i nearly did the full sort of christian bale (laughs) you know in terminator salvation fuck do you think you're doing have you any idea you are ruining this for me sort of I was yeah. on the verge of doing that when I realised that it was David Tennant. Oh, my God. Um, who was there on a set visit with Russell T Davies because they were f- they were about to start filming Midsummer Night's Dream in the studio next door. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Peter Capaldi was Doctor Who at that point. Oh, so maybe he was doing it intentionally, fucking it up, because he was like, I'm not Doctor <laughs> Who anymore. Well, because he came through to sort of, like, chat to us. and. Oh, um nice. Because uh, it was, you know, it's like, it's obviously he's a Doctor Who fan as, as, and was a massive Doctor Who fan before he was even Doctor Who. And so he comes through to have a chat. And and so I had this weird afternoon where I'm stood on set dressed as a space marine on a wooden spaceship with Peter Capaldi, who's the doctor, and Jenna Coleman, who's the companion. And my girlfriend had come for a set visit. So she's mm. there. And uh, Russell T. Davis and <laughs> David Tennant. So it's like being a Catholic and meeting two popes and God, right? Yeah. <laughs> And they're chatting and I'm just watching and enjoying this whole thing. Yeah. And they're talking about when they did the 50th anniversary episode and David, uh, Peter says uh, to David, you didn't get to go on my, on my TARDIS then. It was a different TARDIS, wasn't it, that, that I had than, that, that I have than you have. And he said, oh yeah, yeah, it was. He said, oh, have you seen mine? He said, no. He said, would you like to have a look? And he went, yes, please. And so Peter Capaldi went and took us off to go into the TARDIS and it's a big set it's on three Mm. floors and when you walk into it's like a cathedral it's like genuinely awe-inspiring like I Mm. when I first walked in and had a look at it I couldn't quite catch my breath it's like (gasps) you know genuinely just awesome yeah and we go up this flight of stairs on the outside to where the door is that's the door that you go in and out of the TARDIS when you you know in in the show and he goes come aboard and you walk in and you've got to because it's your only chance you're ever going to get to do yeah. it. And you have to go, it's bigger on the inside. Right. Perfect. Nailed it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we go in and we're sort of, st- we just ended up standing around and chatting with all of us, me and Peter and Jenna and, uh, and David and Russell and my girlfriend mm-hmm. flying the TARDIS, <laughs> using the controls, flying the TARDIS for, for, for an afternoon. Incredible. Talking about talking about Doctor Who, um, and my girlfriend at that point, I just like proposed to my girlfriend uh, the, the, a, a couple of months earlier. But she she doesn't. She, I discovered she doesn't believe in marriage at all. She you know she finds the idea terrifying. Oh, and, discovered uh, during the yeah, proposal. I, yeah, 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 I discovered that. Uh, yeah, and I was like, oh fuck, right, okay, ooh, fucked up here. Um, <laughs> But we, you know, we were, this had been a couple of months and we were, we were messing around with the TARDIS and she just leaned over to me and she said, do you know what? Remember how you asked me to marry you? And I said, yeah. She said, do you know, if I was to say yes. And I was like, oh, oh God. my God. Oh my God. I went, yeah. She went, no, no, if. I was like, yeah, of course, if, if, if. She went, 
it would not be as good as this, would it? <laughs> I was like, no, you're right, it wouldn't. This is the best day of our lives. So I can see in the background, I was going to ask you if you own any art, but is that a Marvel Marvel poster in the background? I can there see. is. Uh, it's a, um, oh, this one here is a, uh, that's a collection of uh, Marvel front covers from the 1960s through to the 1980s um on a uh, on a canvas and that's really cool. uh, and the and the background over this shoulder this one here yeah. is a uh, incredible hulk poster uh, painting done in a um done in in an art deco style yeah it's really cool hulk smash it. and there's a catwoman one above my bed oh nice well. yeah i can see like the corner of it i think yeah yeah um yeah and i've got We've got quite a lot of... We've had... One of our friends is an artist and had painted a bunch of pictures of our cats and we've got... Yeah, our house is just... We've got lots and lots of... Oh, have you got cats. other cat pictures there? Yeah, we do. We've got other... We've got other pictures of... Of, um, of Spruce. Uh, we've got one of Spruce. We've got ones of each of our cats. I, um, Amazing. Yeah, one of my friends did, uh, did a, a whole series of just paintings of, um, of our cats. Um, but yeah, we've got quite a lot of art up in the house I love yeah. it I've got an Andy Warhol um, print of uh, one of the Liza Minnelli pictures downstairs oh, which, which I got when I was a teenager when I was in London and just absolutely adored um, mm. which Andy Warhol print is it? Uh, it's Liza Minnelli it's, oh okay um, cool yeah um, very nice yeah which I uh, which I absolutely adored when I got it right, mm. I think my picture's kind of done I'm, yeah I think mine's nearly done Abstract or realism? Uh, abstract. Tate Modern or Tate Britain? Tate Modern. Jodie Whittaker or Peter Capaldi? <laughs> uh, Peter Capaldi. I've got two. Dawn or Dusk? <laughs> uh, dusk. Cat or Dog? Oh, Cat. cat. Right, writing or performing? <laughs> writing. Banana or Cucumber? Oh, uh, banana. Tortured artist or logical doctor? <laughs> Um, ooh, logical doctor, I think. Yeah, mm. as word association. Yeah, 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 that's that's. I'd yeah, I'd like to get away from the tortured artist thing. Yeah, but, I think we all would. Yeah, <laughs> but private, the art won't let me. Yeah, private view or view of privates. Uh, private view. North or south. North. Invisibility or super strength. Uh, super strength. Can you separate the art from the artist? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not really a quick fire question. Yeah. Yeah, that one isn't. Oh, God. Yeah. I, sorry. I, yeah. Uh, as, as, as a full on lefty who's quite into heavy metal, I yeah. had to spend a lot of my life trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like this, but they're terrible. They're an awful <laughs> human, but this yeah. music sounds good to me. Art or tech? Oh, don't make me choose. Um... <laughs> Art. Art or books? Art. Art or food? Food. And finally, dicks or pussies? <laughs> pussies. <laughs> Thank you very much. Whoa, that's incredible. It's beautiful. Far and away the best picture I've ever yeah, done. Yeah, that is incredible. And also the posture is so accurate. Like you've really nailed the legs, which I just sort of totally avoided doing. 
Um, I haven't shown you a mine yet. A lot of great because... artists avoid doing legs. There's, uh, there's a whole yeah, legs thing. and there's hands. A, yeah, there's a comic book artist called Rob Liefeld, the guy who created Deadpool, who yeah. uh, famously tries to avoid drawing feet and hands because he can't do it. That's so hard. He really, so really can't. I am masking taped my painting to the table. He can, however, table, draw so muscles. I'm so just trying that... to rip it off. He can, however, draw muscles, so all of his characters oh, oh look, my God, yeah, look like that, but then look at the feet. Yeah, they're sort of, it's like they're wearing flippers almost. Yeah, yeah. The like, muscles yeah, no, are so yeah. good, though. Right, here's my, here's my spruce. Can you see? Those are oh the eyes. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Spru- oh, she's gone. Oh, where is she? Spruce. <laughs> yeah, Spruce, what do you think? What do you reckon? Ah, now she's That'd gone. be great to get some direct <laughs> feedback from the model herself. Um, thanks so much, Bethany. Beth, we're Thank mates you. now. Come on. Yeah, yeah, we're mates now. Um, yeah, totally. I really enjoyed that. It was so fun to chat to you. Me too. So Me too. Thank, Thank you very much. And is there anything you'd like us to plug? I know you've got your show on Twitch. Um, do yeah, you... I do a Twitch show every day, every weekday, two till uh, two till three, and uh, I'm adding extra ones to that all the time. I'm uh, yeah, that's pretty much Great. all I have to. Plan and do you post when they're on on your Twitter? Is that the best? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I'm on Twitter, and yeah, uh, yeah, I tend to post when they're on on my Twitter rather than my Instagram or okay. or the other things. Sweet. I, I, I'm too old, and I don't understand how Instagram works. I mean, it's taken me six months to figure out how Twitch works. Oh so. God, that's how I feel with TikTok. I downloaded it, and then I had to delete it because every time I went on it, it's so noisy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, now I'm old because yeah, what's going on? It's I'd supposed like... to be addictive, but I find it the yeah, most yeah. stressful app ever. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much. That was brilliant. Right, right. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you to Beth for being fantastic, an excellent cat drawing, and lovely to chat to someone so open and honest and funny. So I hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, Remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SecretArtPod and leave us a nice, 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 really nice review if you fancy it. Have a good week and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Secret Artists is a Turtle Canyon comedy production for Acast. Music by Alistair Clayton. Quickfire Round music by Steve Dunn. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.